Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Hello there, Liberty listeners. It's great to be with you guys again this week. And I'm excited to introduce Courtney Cowan to you. And I can't wait for her to tell her delicious story of her business. Courtney, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And why don't you tell us a little about Milk Jar Cookies? Um, Great. Well, Milk Jar Cookies is an artisanal cookie shop in the heart of Los Angeles. And we make 15 flavors of cookies by hand from scratch every day. And we bake them off in small batches uh, from morning till night. So everything is always fresh. And uh, in addition to the brick and mortar shop, we also deliver citywide and ship nationwide. And uh, we opened, uh, it'll be five years ago in April. Wow. So there's no excuse not to have a milk jar cookie. You guys have thought of every way to deliver that into our mouths. Absolutely. (laughs) We make it very easy for you to get our cookies. (laughs) um, I love that, actually. Why don't you give us some background? How does one launch into the cookie business? Like, what did you do before you did this? Or have you always been making cookies? Um, both. I have, I've always been making cookies. I, um, as a child, uh, loved the process of, you know, baking. My mom taught me the basics of it. And I, any spare time I had, I was making cookie dough, um, a lot of times simply just to eat the cookie dough, if we're being honest. (laughs) And, um, but, um, yeah, in my, uh, you know, I think around the age of 11 or so, I started realizing the science of, um, baking and cookie dough. And that fascinated me. And, um, in my teens, I came up with my own twist on a chocolate chip cookie recipe, uh, to, you know, much, uh, much love from my friends and family. And so, um, I really loved the happiness that that brought, um, the people around me. And so, um, in 2005, um, I had been working for several years and bringing them in, um, to the office and people would mistake them for, you know, bakery purchased cookies. And so I, um, in 2005 was like, maybe there's something to this. And so, you know, single girl in my twenties, nothing better to do at night than bake (laughs) cookies. And so I started experimenting with lots of different flavors and I loved that process and, um, the creative outlet that it provided and, um, decided, you know what, I'm going to start an online cookie company and deliver them around town whenever, you know, I can. And the nature of television is that you have, um, I was a post-production supervisor. I skipped that part, um, in hour long dramas for television. And so the nature of that work is that you have hiatuses or, you know, your show can get canceled as well. So there's, there tends to be some, some periods of downtime. And so anytime I would have that downtime, I was like, all right, it's cookie time. I'm just going to focus on the cookies and I'm going to see what I can do. And, um, really, so then I, you know, I started a little website and was taking orders via fax at the time. I did not have online um, ordering, those but I don't know what a fax is. We'll draw a little picture on the show. Notes exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I turned, um, a little closet in my one bedroom apartment into the, um, headquarters, uh, for my cookie company, uh, which at the time was called sweet cheeks cookies. 
um, after a pet name I have for my sister. And um, I, yeah, so I would do, I would deliver cookies around town and um, every time I would make a delivery and, you know, share that moment with that customer where, you know, these people are getting cookies. Most of the times it was a surprise and a gift and they, there was so much joy in their face and in that moment. And that brought me so much happiness and I really loved that. And so, um, you know, my dream had always been to be a producer in television. And I suddenly had this new dream where I was like, I want to own a cookie shop and I want to be able to spread this joy and this love um, on a daily basis and yeah. have a place where I can host people and and share a little bit of happiness. So. I, I appreciate I appreciate you saying the new dream part. I think a lot of times we um, we have a dream, we hang on to that dream. Other things, whether it's circumstantial or just mm-hmm. you know our our heart changes, our desire for something changes, enters mm-hmm. in, and we feel some for some reason beholden to the original dream. And I like that yeah. you were able to identify, hey, maybe I, there's something else that I want to do that trumps this other thing, or maybe because I've been in this world of TV production, I'm realizing that it doesn't satisfy me in a way that this cookie thing satisfies what I'm experiencing when I see the joy on people's faces, when I'm experimenting with recipes is bringing me something I didn't anticipate. And so I appreciate you um, articulating it in that way, because I think it gives our listeners and even myself freedom to think about what is the new dream? What is, Mm -hmm. what is the thing that is before me now? And what, you know, maybe I don't have to hang on to what I thought the dream may have been. So, uh, um, yeah. And I, I went back and forth for seven years. So that was 2005. I started that and, um, I really did love my job, um, as well. I loved the, you know, the being involved in, in TV shows and the, you know, the mechanics of that. And, um, so yeah, I would go, I, it took me seven years to finally decide like, okay, it's time for me to, to give this cookie dream, all that it, all that it, all that I have and all that it, see what it can be. And, um, I do remember a very pivotal moment that kind of pushed me forward, which was, I was on a particularly difficult TV show and was working lots and lots of hours and did not feel as though I was doing justice. You know, I wasn't doing well by my cookie company. And, um, but in order to do well by that, I would, something would have to give. And I never wanted to not be a good employee and not do a good job there. And so I told my husband, I was like, you know what? I think I just need to put the cookies away for a while. I need to just not worry about this because I, I'm, it's not making me proud. And I, and it's, it makes me sad to not be able to do it. So I think I just need to get everything out of the house. So I packed up all the stickers and the packaging and all that stuff. And I put it in the garage and it not two days passed before I was like, oh my God, what did I do? That was a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I need I the like, cookies back. I need them. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, that, that now I know, like I really need to give, I need to give this some, some credence and, and give it, give it my all. And so, um, let me ask you, you a know. question right there, because I think there yeah. are people listening who, um, perhaps have started some sort of high side hustle or um, are thinking about how do I launch this, whatever this is on the side, because they do in fact have a full-time job. Did the fact that your career at that time allowed for these hiatuses and these moments, these breaks in time where you could play with the idea of a cookie company, 
launch that, get that off the ground, experience what that was all about. Did that provide something for you that ended up being essential in determining which one you ended up choosing? And how, for somebody who's who doesn't have that opportunity, how might you recommend they continue to pursue a, a side hustle? Let's say it's somebody who's got a nine to five. Uh-huh. Um, how do they pursue that that side hustle and, so that they can have what you had, which is a little bit of both, um, whether it's to get the one off the ground while still earning an income or just to see if perhaps they really want to do that second thing? Um, because it sounded like you talk about doing that for seven years, that that really informed your ultimate decision, having that that opportunity to do both. Yeah, I think it those little pockets of time, and I, you know, there were also a lot of nights where, you know, I was doing it while I was working as well. So I would get home at 10 o'clock at night and have 12 dozen cookies I had to bake. And I would bake the cookies, take a nap while they cooled, get up, package them and drive them wherever they had to go before I had to be at work at nine o'clock the next morning. And so, um, those moments as well as the ones where, you know, I was free to just do the cookies collectively, I think helped me realize how much I did love it. And they, um, they gave me the confidence because I was getting my product into people's hands and getting feedback. Um, Sometimes there were a couple of times that the feedback wasn't great. Um, but you know, that helped me just as much as the ones saying like, Oh my God, this is the best cookie I've ever had. I love these cookies. And, um, and so I was able to gain confidence slash learn from it. And, you know, it just was all of that together is, um, was I think extremely, uh, beneficial and extremely, um, informative. And then as far as ways for people to, to use the time that they do have, um, if they have a nine to five, I think anything they can do to, you know, especially if it's a product based, um, business is to get, get it in people's hands, you know, and, and get, get that feedback. And if that means, you know, it's probably going to mean a lot longer days for you because you will now have a nine to five and a five to midnight or whatever. Um, but it will be, it will, it will teach you so much and it will uh, not just about your product and about, you know, what works and what doesn't, but also if you, if you love it or not enough to, to really go for it. I I think for many entrepreneurs or most entrepreneurs, they would say to you, they're not ever working a nine to five anyway. So it's probably good practice in putting in those 20 hour days when needed. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> do I hear an amen? Um, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that some of that is just kind of understanding, is this a hobby that you're playing with the idea of monetizing or is this really what you want to do for a business? Is this truly mm-hmm. what you want to be all about? And I think it provides that opportunity when you're sort of doing it on the side. How did you, you talked about kind of, I think you said at age 11, really being fascinated by the science of the recipe development. Mm -hmm. How did you, I mean, what did you know about recipe development before launching? Was it, was it just those years as a child and years in the kitchen with your mom? Or was there something that you sort of began to study to, to develop your various flavors or the texture or whatever it is that makes milk jar specifically a milk jar cookie? 
it was a lot of trial and error. I love to experiment and get my hands in there. And um, so, you know, for instance, around the age of 11, the, the moment I'm talking about when I say that is I was at a friend's house and I was, of course, like, let's make cookies. So um, her, they did not have any baking soda. And I was like, well, it's only a teaspoon. It can't be that big of a deal. So we make the cookie dough without the baking soda and we had puddly messes and I <laughs> t- remember talking to my mom about it. I was like, why does it matter? And just, that was when I learned about the leavening agent and how that was, you know, and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's so crazy. And so that kind of got the wheels spinning, realizing that, you know, there, there's a reason that it's, you know, two cups of this and two eggs and, you know, that they're all of this plays together in a way, and if something is off, then it's going to change um, the consistency or the taste or um, how it bakes. And so, I, um, you know, still to this day, like whenever I'm doing uh, coming up with new flavors, I will just um, try different things. And um, you know, I, I know mainly the, you know, again the basics of it. And I know that you know if you add more flour, it's going to do this to it. If you add more of this. But, um, you know, so, and I do a lot of, I do a lot of reading, um, on that, but I, for the most part, I just get in there and cause I know, I know my cookies now after all these years and I, um, I, I love just seeing how I can, how I can play with that. So sure. I'll get in there and just, I remember the, the one that has been the most difficult, uh, additional cookie flavor that I came up with thus far is the pumpkin pie. Like that was just, there was, I probably went through 12 different batches of that because it just was not, there was, you know, cause the pumpkin is so liquidy and then there was this. And so I was just, that one was really a, a, a shining moment of, uh, of science <laughs> of baking <laughs> really. Cause I was like, wow, this one is tough. Like it's just not, not working out so well. Um, but I'm sure once but, you're able to perfect those, um, mm-hmm. the ones that are most difficult, they probably end up doing really well for you because it's one that other, other cookie makers have found to be difficult and perhaps just abandon perfecting it. Um, it's and so you definitely, end up having this yeah. edge. Yeah. <laughs> definitely one of our more popular for sure. What is your most popular cookie? Chocolate chip. Oh gosh. Yeah. We just can't I know. Get away it's from the fun- t- everybody's no. favorite. It's funny because the, like, the the classic chocolate chip is our big, biggest seller, followed very closely by banana split, which is our oh. my craziest flavor. So it's really funny because people are like classic, but then also the most adventurous. So it's, that <laughs> it's, makes it's sense. been very that interesting. Yeah. I can't help but listen to you tell this story and recall a friend's episode where Monica, um, do you know what I'm about to say? I think so. (laughs) Phoebe says to Monica that she has her grandmother's recipe, Nestle Toolhouse, and and then she loses the recipe and then Monica um, finds out in the end when Phoebe... I think tells her the name and then Monica real, realizes that it's Nestle Tollhouse. But it's this great moment of just like the the chocolate chip cookie is the ultimate thing that we're all after. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Phoebe's antics aside, um, America loves a good chocolate chip cookie. So you're you're validating that. So <laughs> exactly. Um, in the past, we've seen this sort of morphing and transitioning a bit, but you know, brick and mortars would start out. They would sell in their, you know, to their local communities, whatever product, and we're talking about food products specifically here, and then decide, gosh, this popularity um, 
can be scaled if I take this online. You did it the other way around. Um, you were selling online and then decided that you wanted to open a brick and mortar. Why did you do that? What was the intention of after having the success of online sales, deciding I need a, a location specific place where people can come in and taste the cookies or, or shop? What was that all about? Um, it was about, first of all, opportunity. So when, um, I had done it online simply because it was, it was a side business. It was a side hustle for sure. And so, um, I did not have the, you know, the freedom to throw myself into it completely while I was still attached to, um, the entertainment industry and, and to that job. And so, um, once I decided that I really wanted to go for this and, and do it. Um, I, I definitely weighed the different options. You know, there is the just online and use a shared kitchen that you rent by the hour. There's food truck, there's um, brick and mortar, et cetera. And so I, I you know, weighed all of those and um, kind of budgeted out each one as well as thought about what my intention was. And, um, it, the the only right way for me to go about it was to do brick and mortar because I it was extremely important to me that I like the hosting of people mm. so it's not just about um, you know just the product I really wanted to create a place that was full of love and was welcoming and warm and would give you know, the community, a little, a respite from reality and come in and have this, you know, delicious product in a, um, in a very loving, um, and warm environment. And so that was, that was really what drove me, um, to do that. And so, um, and, and in the process, once I decided I wanted to go, um, to go full on with it and leave entertainment behind and really take the leap, um, I changed the name of the business to Milk Jar Cookies, and um, and you know I felt that it uh, for, I couldn't get the trademark on Sweet Cheeks um, first of all. Um, I'm so afraid who else had that name, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. And so I um, so I couldn't get that. So then I just started thinking about um, you know new names, and so I went through that whole process and branded and. Um, and kind of started it fresh. Um, so it was, um, I had the experience of, um, you know, Sweet Cheeks allowed that the recipe development and to, you know, really see if people were responding to my product, et cetera. But then once it came time to really go for it, um, I kind of just started fresh, um, and started with that and put all of my time and energy into, um, you know, creating this new brand and then, um, you know, building out a, a brick and mortar space. Um, and then once we were open, I didn't actually add online ordering for milk jar until, uh, we'd been open about a year because okay. I wanted to. So oh, as, as far as the, the cookie audience was concerned, mm -hmm. you actually with, with the specific brand of milk jar, you did begin with brick and mortar and then take that online, even though mm -hmm. you had had sweet cheeks online before. Exactly. Okay. Um, exactly. Let me ask a question about um, kind of seasonality. So mm -hmm. here you've got this 
now brick and mortar and well first of all let me back up on something you you said something very that i've heard throughout this interview so far that um you've sort of been delivering joy whether it was when mm-hmm. you were doing it as a side hustle and delivering the cookies to people while you were working in television production or the importance of having the brick and mortar and wanting people to come into this loving space Mm-hmm. And it seems to me, and not to be cheesy, but it seems to be that part of your recipe is to provide that. Um, did you know that when you started or was that just a, gosh, this really feels good. I want to make sure that we continue to deliver this. Or was it something intentional that you set out to do? In addition to selling cookies, you were sort of selling or providing or offering this communal space where people could could sort of download, if you will, uh, uh, you know, um, or unload, I guess is, we can't say download anymore because it's something (laughs) altogether different, but it was that intentional or did it just, was it a byproduct of selling the cookies? Uh, it was definitely intentional. I did not know if people would respond to it, Mm -hmm. um, in the way that they have. Um, but it was, it was certainly my intention to, to be different, um, in some ways, like a lot of, um, bakeries out here are very much, you know, the space is just get you in, get you out. There's Mm -hmm. not seating for a lot of people. There's not, um, you know, it's not, it just is, it doesn't provide that, um, that invitation to, to sit and stay for a while. Um, and I really wanted, I did not want it to be like that. I, so I was intentionally looking for a place that would, um, be big enough that I could do that. So we have seating for 18. Uh, we have five tables, uh, one big six-person table, and then you know smaller ones um, in the shop. And we have uh, outdoor a couple tables outside. And um, it was definitely um, you know as far as everything from the decor to to just the space itself and um, the capacity for people. That was all part of my part of my vision. Uh, was to to certainly make it that way. Yeah. Um, We're glad that that was part of your vision. That's a good (laughs) vision. So to, to go back to what I was starting to say, um, the, the, the business of cookie making, I have to believe is somewhat seasonal. Is that right? Or, I mean, you must sell Um, more during the holidays, right? Yes. December is by far our uh, busiest uh, in most insane, intense month. Um, it is also our favorite. Um, it is so much fun. The insanity. I mean, I just, I can't even describe um, December at our shop, <laughs> but it, <laughs> is, it is, I mean, there is just like flour and packing peanuts flying. It is nuts. <laughs> um, but, um, and then Valentine's day, like uh-huh. I would say d- the holidays are a marathon. Valentine's day is a sprint. Like we are, it's like, Christmas in, you know, in the span of two days, like the 13th and 14th of February are always insanity. Um, and we do have, you know, there's, there's patterns for sure. You know, like July is typically a slow month. People are on vacation, um, you know, whatever. Um, but we, it, there definitely is, you know, we're, we are certainly very busy all year round, uh, which is fantastic. And, um, we, Every month, um, you know, since we've opened has been 20 to 30% bigger than the month, you know, that same month the year before. And so it's, it's definitely continued on an, a trajectory that is, um, that is positive. And it, you know, sometimes we think like, yeah, I thought January is typically slow this year. That was not the case. It was very busy all January. <laughs> so you're just kind of, that's awesome. That's good. Yeah. News. But then there can be days where it's just like, 
for whatever reason, it's a lot slower, but then the next day is insane. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's predictable, but unpredictable from time to time. So I want to get back to that kind of sales growth when we get into the second part of the, um, Mm -hmm. interview, but I did want to ask in, uh, a company that is somewhat seasonal. It sounds like you, your growth is consistent and constant um, for the general c- business. But when you have those those opportunities um, where it's a little bit slower, so right after Christmas or uh, during the summer months or after you know uh, Valentine's Day, what do you do? within your operations to sort of take advantage of that? I, I dare I say downtime, because like you said, you've had this sort of consistent growth, but what do you do? Is that a time for new recipe recipe development? Is that a time for marketing? Are you taking advantage of those times to do something other than the creation, the baking, the, you know, the, the shipping of cookies? Because I have to believe yeah. there are a lot of people, again, listening, who have this sort of seasonal business and perhaps don't have some of the consistent sales that you have. And mm-hmm. kind of it's nice to hear from people as to how they take advantage of the downtimes. Um, so I'd love to hear that from you. There, There's a lot of things we do with it. Um, you know, in the store um, with Staff-wise, um, that's when we, you know, we get our deep cleans in, and we um, we try to stock up on, you know, ribbon because each box when we sell them, you know, by by the box, they, everything's tied up with a, a lace ribbon, and so all of that, you know, has to be cut. And so there's a lot of things that we can do, like side tasks that we they can get ahead on. So we'll, you know, we start cutting holiday ribbon in August so that that can be done because it's just, you know, it's time consuming and. Um, you know, there's like little things like that, that the staff can be doing. Um, I take that opportunity to also check in with the staff and I will have, um, like download sessions with the, my shop manager and, you know, what's working, what do you guys need? What, you know, how did that go? What, you know, what, here's what I think, you know, and what I learned, how was it on your end? You know, what, like just kind of really check in with them. Um, I use it to, to try to get ahead on, yeah, some, you know, photo shoots and recipe development and, um, you know, try to do all of those. It's really time for the fun stuff. Yeah. (laughs) No, I can imagine as you were talking, I was like, it's time to think and dream and really be creative because it's sort of go time during those other seasons. Do you try and pepper those downtimes with maybe, um, more public relations or do you try and fill in those gaps from a marketing um, or communications end? I dream about doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you have like, some really great yeah. press. I mean, you guys have done a really phenomenal job and I don't, I don't mean that to say that it isn't all deserved because the cookies are so amazing. But um, a lot of times brands in, in those first five years can miss that opportunity and you guys have just you haven't missed a beat. And so I'm wondering if, you. if you've particularly padded the down seasons with that, but it sounds like not, that's not the case. I rarely say no to, you know, like I'll have, you know, a high school blogger email through the website and, you know, and it'll be December 12th and she'll want to be, you know, she'll want to write a little article for her thing. I try to take, I try to, take part in all of those things that I can. And so, um, you know, with the, the PR company, um, was wonderful, uh, throughout the year of getting, 
um, you know, as many opportunities as possible um, with that. And then, you know, we, we get a lot of things, like I said, just submissions through the website. And so um, they don't always come at the most convenient times. Um, you know, it's like there will definitely be things where people want, you know, me to write an article in December. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I got to do it. You know, yeah. it's like, it's really wonderful. So, um, so I think, um, it hasn't worked out necessarily where I can, you know, pick and choose where, um, in the calendar year that those fall, but, um, that, uh, that sounds really great. <laughs> it's, it always sounds yeah. ideal, right? It's like, it looks great yeah. on paper, but that's just not the it's, reality. No, it's a great idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> let me, let me I'm go back to, to the fact that you have these two platforms, you have the brick and mortar and you have the online, uh, sales. Mm-hmm. Does one sort of inform the other and, or do both inform each other? So by that, I mean, do you find that people who are enjoying online sales then end up in Los Angeles and come to your store because it's almost like a, a destination or vice versa, where people happen upon the store, come in, enjoy it and then say, oh, my gosh, you mean I can just order these and get them online? Do they serve? Do those tend to serve one another or do they tend to be their own sort of silos of customers? They, they definitely serve one another. There is certainly crossover. Um which I always find so um, gratifying. I love that. Um, yeah. And, you know, there will be, yeah, people, you know, will come into the shop. They'll just be walking by and, you know, I've never stopped in. So they come in and they get a cookie and then they see our little sign that says, you know, order, we ship nationwide or order today or whatever. And they're like, oh my gosh, no way. Oh, I should send my grandma cookies. Yeah. And then they'll, you know, order online. And it. we certainly have people that have um, received them in, Nebraska as a gift and they are out here on vacation and they make a point to come and see us. And, um, and I just, I love that so much. Yeah. Um, I, I, I figured as much given how mm-hmm. adorable the shop is that it would provide, um, you know, some destination traffic, people who are coming into town and, and because Los Angeles is the kind of city that people actually visit, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you're bound to have that. I think you might not have that if you were in, and I'm not going to name a particular city cause I don't want anybody to be mad at me, but it, it's <laughs> something that is, you know, um, maybe in one of the Dakotas, let's say, um, you might not have that ability to be a destination, but because you do, mm-hmm. it sounds like you've taken advantage of that. Yeah. It's been, it's really it's lovely. And sometimes, you know, we try to ask people how they heard about us, um, you know, as much as we can, especially when they say like, Oh, we're here from wherever. And, um, you know, we just had to come and it's, it's a variety of places, um, that people, you know, they will have either heard about it from somebody who, a friend of theirs who lives in Maine, who follows our Instagram, but has never been. And they're like, you should go cause you're going to LA. And, you know, it's just yeah. like, it's, it's really, it's wonderful. That's a really interesting point too. I think in the age of social media, we have this, it's sort of counterintuitive. We think that because of it, we can do everything online, but in fact, it drives us to something that we're starting to really, we're starting to notice more and more that we desire, which is the online connection. So Mm -hmm. in essence, you have this national uh, megaphone and it's driving people into the into the location because they want uh, more of of what you're selling. They want to they want the experience, not just the taste of the cookie. They want mm-hmm. the whole thing. There's something that you're delivering to them that they're not able to get through the mail. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that. I love how that ha- is playing on 
on itself. And also, um, I love anything that shows us that social media is just a vehicle for on, you know, for real connection. Um, Mm -hmm. and that we're not, we're not ending it there. We're not limiting it there. Um, I know that from reading a little bit about you that you've had to say, you know, so you've had to put off some things in life to do all that you've done to start this company. What would you say has been the hardest part of launching this business? I, I like, um, I like our listeners to sort of set, get a sense of, okay, here's reality. It's not just pretty and, um, mm-hmm. you know, lace packaged donut uh, or cookies, not donuts. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> one day you'll be doing donuts too, but, um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I eat my fair share of donuts. <laughs> See, the donuts inspire the cookies. It's a part, it's a part of it. But what do you, what would you say to that woman who's listening about what's been the hardest part of launching your business? And now that you're established, what continues to be the hardest part or is now a new hardest part? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, just that word, it is, it's very hard. Mm -hmm. It's very hard and it is not for the faint of heart and it's not for, um, you, you have to be dedicated and you have to really want it because there are going to be days where you're going to say, I hate this. Um, but you got to keep pushing. Um, and first opening, you know, I remember reading books that were, you know, start your own bakery. And it was yeah. like, <laughs> be prepared to work 12 hours a day. Yeah. And I was like, well, I already do that because I'm in television and that's just what we do. And so I was like, okay, got that down. Um, 12 hours is like, you know, no, it's, it's 18, it's 20. It's sometimes, you know, Valentine's Day this year, I worked 39 hours straight. I worked from 5 a.m. on the 13th until 9 p.m. on the 14th. So it's just, it just does not, it doesn't stop. Um, Do you drink coffee? What do you, what's happening over there? (laughs) My adrenaline receptors are really strong. I'm so glad. And (laughs) so are all those recipients of your Valentine cookies. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I actually only drink one cup of coffee a day, believe it or not. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very good at, um, at just like putting my blinders on and put my head down and just going for it. Just getting um, it done. Get it done. Um, but I think when I first opened, um, you know, ignorance is bliss. And so I, I, I was prepared to work, you know, really hard and I didn't have any idea what I was really doing. Um, but I, I just followed my gut and I just kept, you know, I just, there was, all I knew is I had to make as much cookie dough as I could possibly make and bake as many cookies. And then, you know, my husband and our friends were out helping customers and that was the first like three days. And then (laughs) there was no way we could continue on unless we hired some people. So we hired a couple of people like a week and a half in. And it just, at that point, the, the challenge was, and what made it so hard was just the, the sheer labor, the intent, I mean, it's very labor intensive. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was, you know, trying to, I was doing all of the dough making myself and baking and trying also to make sure that I was paying, you know, I had to pay the bills on time and I had to do all sure. of these other things. And so, um, that period of time, it was very hard physically and, you know, sleeping maybe four hours a night, five hours a night. Um, and 
but but there was so much excitement and so much adrenaline that I was like, this is this is amazing. You know, like I can't believe it's being there's always that silver lining to that. And you're like, okay, well, this is, you know, this is amazing. People are responding to this and we have customers and we, you know, we're busy and this is so great. And then, you know, six months goes by and you're like, wow, um, oh, it's still that way. (laughs) And then a year goes by and you're like, okay, now I have six people on my staff, but wow, I'm still, and it just, you know, the good part of that and the part I, I try desperately every, every single day, even five years in now to look at is that I'm experiencing a good problem. You know, yeah. we have we have a steady stream of business. We have a very loyal following, and we are growing um, every day and every month. And so that presents a new challenge. Um, you know, so now the hard stuff is I have a team of eighteen, and wow. making sure that you know I am leading them in a in a way um, you know that is, uh, doing well by the company and by them and by me and, um, you know, and trying to, we're, we have opened a, another facility that's our shipping and delivery facility. Um, and so that has come with its own host of challenges and, um, and trying to make sure that we are designing a workflow between the two locations that is efficient and, um, you know, it's taking stress away and, um, not adding to it. And so it's just, you know, there's, there's a new challenge every day. And then, you know, there's the nature of food is that, you know, you can't just make a bunch of stuff ahead of time. Like it all has to be fresh and that's what, what people love about us. But there's, as we grow, you know, we're running into, we're more humans and with more humans come more opinions and more, (laughs) you know, expectations. And, um, and so it's very hard to, um, to manage all of that and make everybody happy all of the time. But, you know, I think we're, I'm very proud of the fact that we, we are doing, um, a very good job at maintaining the quality and the experience, um, that I set out to create, um, at the very beginning, five years in and, you know, a bunch of cookies later, it's still, um, extremely high quality and people are still getting a really great customer service experience. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I, um, I, I have a, a very a happy team. Um, you know, and again, we've had this year has been particularly challenging. And so with just things that are totally out of your control, you know, you think you have your whole business and everything is, you know, that you are in control of is running well. And then, you know, a Life pipe bursts or, yeah. you know, we just, the freezer goes out or the mixer goes down or, you know, there's, there's just always, there's always challenges. <laughs> sure. And you hear, um, you hear people who have grown say, you know, you know, big sales, big success, big problems, you know, mm-hmm. big teams, big, um, opportunities for, for, you know, new thoughts and new creativity, big problems. Like it's, that's part of the territory. And I hear even in your story of talking about just keeping up with baking more cookies in the beginning. And now it's, you have to, you're not just in there with a, you know, spatula mixing dough. You're now managing 18 people, 18 personalities, developing systems and processes that make you, um, able to maintain that, that, quality control and that, um, customer service that Mm -hmm. made you famous. 
um, to begin with and got you on the map and is keeping you on the map and is allowing you to grow. But now you're in charge of that. So often entrepreneurs, I, you know, need to go in with their eyes wide open. And I say to them, the th- I'm putting on a little bit of my consulting habit, you know, the thing that mm-hmm. you love to do, the thing that you want to do is not always going to be and the thing that you get to do. And the more mm-hmm. successful you are, the irony is the less you get to do that thing. And so yeah. I want to move us into this, this next section where we get to pick your brain a little bit and all those people listening who are interested in having the problems you have <laughs> can mm-hmm. get some <laughs> advice. So I think we're really getting a sense of, hey, if we want to launch this product-based business, these are some of the the things that, the problems that we might have. What would you say um, to a listener in terms of armed with your experience, what would you say to them in terms of ways to overcome that, those problems or ways to anticipate those problems? Stay sharp, first of all, um, and, and just know that, um, you know, and I, I'm very much, a, I'm a very big planner. I, I, I have a way things are, and that just, that's great to some extent, but I have had to, um, just make peace with the fact that things are going to go wrong and things are going to go wrong regularly. And that, um, funny enough, that like allows me to do part of what I love the most. I love strategizing. I love, Mm -hmm. um, getting creative and thinking creatively of how to overcome a problem. And so, um, with the good, I get to exercise. I mean, with the bad, I get to exercise the good. Um, but yeah, just stay, stay, fluid and allow yourself to, um, you know, to just, just go with it and, and, and seize the opportunity there somewhere in each of these issues is an opportunity. Um, and you know, for instance, we are experiencing this, this burst pipe right now. Well, um, we have a party cart that we take to weddings. So yesterday we baked cookies off site. We put the party cart out on the sidewalk and we had a sidewalk sale. We just like, we <laughs> trucked the cookies over and we like yes. made fun, you know, yeah. we like, all right, this is great. Today it's pouring rain. Well, there's a toy shop next door. So we decided like they allowed us to come in. So we're having a pop-up shop in the toy store. That's so, awesome. you know, it's just like you, there's, you just, you just gotta, you gotta go with it and you can't allow, um, the challenges to shut you down. You need yeah. to allow that to open up another side of your brain and, um, and go with it. Um, and I think as far as preparing for them, um, some of them you just, you can't, you'll never know, you know, you're not ready to, you would never think you'd have to figure some issue out, but you might. And so I think just preparing is just by doing research. I think, you know, as far as preparing for the business itself, research. I, I absolutely will implore people to do your research, whether, you know, that is, I mean, it's, it's all kinds of things. Like I, if you're doing, want to open a brick and mortar, go sit out in front of a, a similar place and count the number of customers that go in, count mm-hmm. the number of customers that come out with a bag in their hand, um, with a coffee in their hand, you know, just like try to gain as much research knowledge and research as you possibly can. Um, and then, I'm, I'm yeah. so glad that you're saying that because I think that some people think that that sort of bootstrap mentality, that sort of getting down and dirty is, you know, not sophisticated enough and they don't do it. And I'm always shocked at how many people don't take time 
to do very basic research. And I'm glad mm -hmm. that you're saying it because to me, it is the best thing that you can do for your company to go in armed with as much knowledge as you have. And if you're counting those people, then do the homework of why do you, how did they get there and what's the marketing that drove them there and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm, Absolutely. I'm always surprised at how much people don't do that. They don't do that sort of homework. Um, would yeah. you say that that had something to do with your early success? I think so. And I think, um, and I, I also think another thing you can really do is, is trust your gut, like stay true to what you, what your vision is for it. So my vision was to, to craft this, you know, environment that was welcoming and warm and fun and loving. And, um, you know, and also had very delicious cookies and, and there were, there's other types of places that I could have allowed to skew my like, well, maybe that, maybe I should do that instead, or maybe I shouldn't just focus on cookies. Maybe I should have other sweet treats, but it's like cookies are my thing that I, I can make something else, but it's not going to be special. Right. And I felt that I would be better served to focus on what I did well and that's cookies and then allow that to be my like canvas, if you will, and come up with all different kinds of crazy new fun cookie flavors, you know, that you wouldn't get elsewhere. Sure. Um, and so, um, so I think, yeah, it's just like stay true to your vision and don't, um, don't try to be something that you're not. Um, but at the same time, learn from what's around you. Um, and you know, it's okay to gain inspiration and learn from others and, you know, talk to people if, you know, try to get into, I set up a couple of different informational interviews with, um, a woman that owned a donut shop and another one that owned, um, a, little coffee shop and just tried to pick their brains and said, you know, what, it, what is it like? What is, what was your biggest challenge? You know, a lot of the questions you're asking me now, I, I went and asked, um, other women that, you know, were doing it. Um, not, ev not everyone will, you know, say yes and meet with you, but the worst they're going to say is no. So, um, I think the, you know, doing that, if you can like seek out, seek out other business owners, um, and just kind of talk to them as much as you can. And, um, I love that podcasts are so big now I was just and that there's say, so many of these cause yeah. you're getting that, you know, and yeah. it's like that five years ago, this wasn't as, you know, there certainly were not as many, um, to listen to. And so I, I've, I listen to them all the time and try to learn little, there's always a takeaway from every single podcast. you sure. listen to. <laughs> And the more vulnerable and the more open the, the, you know, interviewee can be, the the more the listener is going to glean from that. I mean, I think mm -hmm. that's sort of not to spend too much time on this podcast, but that's really the intention. How can we get you, the listener, to hear all these various ideas and, and different ways of approaching a business and with different personalities taking the lead? And mm -hmm. can you see yourself in those or can you consider your own possibilities as, mm -hmm. as you listen to those. Um, and I, I like that you did that research. I like that you asked those women, you know, to sit down with you and ask them some of those hard questions. And I really like that you talked about being focused. I think that a lot of us are trying to be all things to all people and we don't, we sort of miss the mark. Um, mm -hmm. and I like that you're focusing on cookies. And in fact, you're leading me right to my next question, which is, you know, I, I feel like there's been this resurgence of sweet treats, cupcakes, donuts, you know, cronuts, whatever, whatever variation uh -huh. you can come up with. Um, 
we've been trying to satisfy this sweet tooth. And I think it makes it really hard to cut through that noise for, for a new brand. What do you recommend that our listener might want to consider doing or do, given your experience, um, to cut through that noise, to get to their target customer, to really kind of show who they are and focus in the way that you've been able to focus? Um, I think a lot of what people have, I, th- I think, responded to um, with Milk Jar Cookies is um, is that we're very real um, and we're very genuine. And um, I think, you know, social media is an ins- insanely helpful tool um, for business owners now. And um, while there are, you know, millions of other accounts, if you can just um, – you know, find a voice and and use use your genuine voice for the brand. Um, I think people like that, and I um, I I'm actually truly a terrible like social media person. I run all of our social media, but I like I don't do hashtags, and I'm sure we can have so many more followers and do all these other things. But I just for me, it it's actually um, it's been a wonderful growth tool, but it also is is my way of communicating with the customers. And just, mm-hmm. again, it's just another source of a smile or, um, you know, a little, like a little communication between milk jar and its customers or its followers. And so I, you know, I typically will do, you know, a pretty picture and a witty caption, um, or a, you know, just a little, Hey friends, you know, hope you have a great Friday. Right. Um, cause that, that is, that's the voice of our of our brand. It's just, you know, friendly and, um, we don't do a lot of salesy stuff. We don't do, you know, it's just like, a, it's just, a, it's a, it's a way of us communicating, I think is the best way for me to put it. Um, we're on your, how, we're on your social, we're on your Instagram right now and we're cracking yeah. up at the slow-mo picture. That <laughs> <you> just, so <laughs> I need our listeners to go see it. It's going to be, the date will be, um, let's see, it was, it's today says it was two hours ago. So, hey, listeners, yes. go back to look at today, March 2nd, and look at the slow-mo of <laughs> cookies <laughs> just for a giggle. Um, that's a, that's us uh, moving from our shop over to the toy store to have our pop-up shop today. <laughs> I love that. And I think that, that um, that's when you talk about a voice, that is your voice, like adding that bit of humor and talking about, you know, your delivery of joy and loving people and all of that. That's coming through. There's another one that Elizabeth just pointed out to me here in the studio, and it's your tic-tac-dough. Like it just gives us a real sense of who you are, and mm-hmm. we want a piece of that. Um, the fact that we're getting this delicious cookie ends up being the bonus. And then, of course, mm-hmm. when we taste it and we're like, oh, my gosh, we can't live without this. This is like crack. Then we buy more. And, mm-hmm. you know, the craziness <laughs> continues. So when yeah. you talk about your voice, it really comes through. What is the voice of this brand? And what is it that they're selling to me besides this cookie, which I'm not experiencing on social media? I can see it and my my senses can imagine what it might taste like, but I'm not experiencing it. Mm-hmm. In its in its fullness, and yet you're still able to have that sort of success. I think a lot of times we hear people saying, "Oh, I'm not a lifestyle brand in terms of, or a fashion brand, or something that's pretty. I don't I don't have that to deliver on Instagram, um, and so I don't know if that's really a tool for me. And I think you're a great example of it is in fact a tool 
So now we you had talked about that 20% and even 30% growth that you're experiencing. And I think a lot of people um, are hoping that they're going to experience that kind of growth. And it's exciting and it's daunting, but there's something that you have to know and you have to be able to be prepared for. And I, I think you answered to some degree this question by saying, uh, you didn't use this term, but just staying elastic, that you need to be on your toes. I think your exact mm-hmm. phrase was you need to stay sharp. Um, when you're having that sort of growth that, you know, you, you need to sort of strategize each month and think about what do we have to do this time to accommodate um, our business? What would you say is sort of the first step? What's the first thing we should consider when we see that sort of growth heading our way? And we want to maintain all the things you talked about, consistency, quality control, customer service. What do we do to make sure that we're prepared or shored up for that sort of growth? I think having a, a team that is that is excited to be a part of it and that is dedicated mm-hmm. um, is a huge part of that. Yeah. And um, I have a tremendously wonderful team and they, um, you know, even when the craziest of circumstances are thrown our way, they show up every day with a smile on their face and they are ready to tackle a challenge and they, um, they respect each other and they, they're very good at working together. And, um, I think in, cause a lot of, until you can, you know, if you're growing at a, a consistent pace, you know, you, you can't, every time you grow, you can't hire someone new, but you know, you eventually, you know, obviously have to add to the team, but until you can add to the team and get someone up to, um, you know, up to speed on, on all of the processes and everything, um, everybody kind of has to rise to the occasion. And, um, that's actually something I, I, I deal with a lot of guilt, um, a lot of times because, um, and I, I don't really know why, um, but I, I, I'm always so afraid that I'm putting, you know, I signed up for this. I signed up to, to work 20 hours a day. I signed up for all of this and, um, you know, bottom line, I don't have a choice about it. <laughs> you know, sure. I, I'm in it. And, but, you know, I, I'm always acutely aware of how the team is doing. And I, I am always a little, I never want to ask quote unquote, too much of them. Um, and that is hard because I think, you know, bottom line is that most of the people that I have there are, they would, they will they work do it. until the job is done. You know, they're, sure. they're very dedicated, but, um, you know, and it's, they're obviously getting paid overtime and all those things, but it's, sure. I, I still don't ever want to burn anyone out. Sure. Um, and so it's, it, it's a very fine, line between being overstaffed and understaffed. How have you been able to build that team? I think we're listening saying that's a really great problem to have. And, you know, kudos to you for being able to grow that team. And I so appreciate your sensitivity to them and, you know, their personal lives and understanding that there is a distinction between them and you. This is your business. And 10 Mm -hmm. years from now, you're the one that's going to, um, have something to gain, capitalize, benefit from this. How have mm-hmm. you been able to put that team together? How how did you know, were you hiring people based on the task and you did that really well? Or was it, were you looking at the personality of the person and saying, I could train them? 
What were you doing to hire so well? I always um, take into account personality and, you know, I mean, you're sitting in car, it's like speed dating. You have like five, 10 minutes with a person. You're like, try, I've gotten pretty good at reading people, but, um, you know, it's, I, I, I have always said that I will take a hard worker that wants to be a part of a team and learn something new over someone who has gone to seven different culinary schools and graduated with honors because, right you can't, you can't teach a work ethic and you can't teach kindness. You can't teach teamwork. And so, um, I truly, and, you know, I have an existing team that I have to make sure this person is going to mesh with. And so, um, you know, I, I think I've been very lucky. Um, but I, I, I have certainly, I've, you know, I've had a a couple of uh, hiccups (laughs) um, in that area as well, but, um, I, I I definitely hire on, you know, personality and just desire to be there and, uh, and be a part of it over any existing skills. Um, when we first opened and I was hiring, basically everybody did everything because we just had to get it done. Um, so people were front of house, they baked cookies. A couple of them learned how to make dough with me because I needed help there. They did. It was just a little bit of everything. So now as we've grown, I've certainly been able to, um, to split that up. So we have, you know, five dedicated people that just make cookie dough. We have two bakers. We have, um, a selection of front of house. We have, you know, and then some supervisors and a shop manager and, um, you know, that is working out very nicely for us. So even with the dough makers though, I said, you know, there's no prerequisite, like they don't have to, it's good if they, you know, enjoy baking and it's good if they bake at home and have, you know, at least done it as a hobby and all of that. But I, if somebody wants to learn that skill and is excited about it and willing to work really hard, then they are absolutely as good a candidate as anybody else. I like that. And so if you put up a hiring soon, you're going to get all kinds of people coming your way after having said that because they know that you're, you're open, you're open to, to the, the lack of um, specific skill and the, the wealth of interpersonal skill is what I'm hearing. And mm-hmm. something that I think is really key and that we can take away from what you said is that often we hire for, you know, the, the person hiring, let's say in, in the case of a, a founder, CEO, entrepreneur, you know, who started this small business, you hire the person that you like, that's going to work well with you. What I heard you say is, don't forget about the rest of the staff and how that person is going to fit into that community that's already created Mm -hmm. and how they're going to add value to it, participate in it. Um, and, and it's a way to honor the existing, um, uh, employees as well. And I think that's a, that's a really important takeaway. And you said that you've been lucky. And I think just listening to you talk about that, you've clearly created your own luck. Um, you've been sensitive to things that I think a lot of us just don't think about. And so Thank I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that answer. Um, you've talked a lot about managing these long days. You've talked a lot about kind of how crazy it can be. What daily habits, what apps, what online platforms, what are the things that you just cannot live without? Um, we are huge, uh, Google sheets and Google docs, um, fans. Yeah. So we, yeah, we have a, we call it the calm, um, the communication <laughs> and, uh, you know, everything that, you know, the order coordinators, any, customer, you know, 
notes about an order or, you know, things around the shop, it all goes in the comm. And so each person, when they come in for their shift, the first five minutes of their shift is reading the comm. And so um, that's like a, a, has been a huge thing. We started doing that about a year and a half ago and it's been wildly helpful. Yeah. Um, and there's a morning meeting. Um, I've let the the shop manager, um, she does those now um, instead of me. And so um, every morning we um, have a little powwow for five, 10 minutes and, you know, give them um, a couple of updates, give them a few things to think about. And then we do a throwback. So it's like, you know, don't forget when you're scooping ice cream, it goes like this or whatever. <laughs> um, and so just like we do a, a throwback. And so that as far as disseminating information, Google Sheets, Google Docs, huge. Um, I'm a t- I'm such an old lady though. Like I still love a telephone. Will always be what? my. What's that? What, exactly. Like, I'm like <laughs> that will always be my my choice. I would rather yeah. talk to someone than email them. Yeah. And um, you know, but I know that's not always. Especially in this day and age, that's not yeah. how it goes. Um, I have a teenage but, daughter who doesn't know that it's part of that phone and texting device that she uses. No clue. She can actually speak to someone on the no other clue. <laughs> No, yeah, she has yeah, no idea. Exactly. I'm like, I'm about um, to blow your mind. There's a voice it, that comes through that. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, um, so I get and it. then, like, I do a, I have a scheduling app called When I Work, and that's how they all get their schedule for each week. And say um, that again. It's When I Work. Yes. All okay. one word. So well, when I work.com. Great. We'll add that um, to the show notes. Okay, great. It's, it's wonderful. And they, that's how they process their time off requests and, um, and stuff like that as well. Oh, and then I do the schedule that way each, um, you know, each Thursday night. Um, so that's, that's a very helpful tool. And then, um, I, uh, as far as other technological things, ship station, that's how we process yeah. our shipments, which is wonderful. Um, and that has, we did that start about, I guess a little over a year ago, we started using that and that has been a game changer for us. We like to hear about game changers. I, we've heard yeah. ship station a couple of times, but I can imagine in your case, that's, that's a great one for you guys to use. Yeah. Um, it's been huge. I, so I that's bet. Great. I want to ask you a question about, um, you know, we, there's so many women sort of embracing entrepreneurship and it's the exciting kind of times that we're in and people taking a look at what opportunities are really available to them. But then there's this other statistic that's a little bit, um, deflating, which is that we're also failing at record pace. And, you know, there's just the natural statistic is that, you know, 50% are going to fail just off the bat, male, female, whatever it's going to happen. But I think there are some things that perhaps we're not considering before we launch. I think, you know, going back to what you said earlier about sitting in front of another shop that's selling a similar product and just counting who's going in and who's coming out with Mm -hmm. bags um, and a coffee in hand and doing some of that due diligence work is probably a great takeaway from this interview. But what are some other things you might say, hey, consider these things before you launch and nothing's guaranteed, but it will ensure that you're at least on your way to something that's successful. I think just knowing, um, knowing that it's going to be hard and you're going to have to dig deep, um, sometimes. And, um, and there may be days that you are doing it simply out of obligation and not out of passion and that that's okay. Like just know that, um, you know, 
this too shall pass. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and, you know, but I think you really have to be going into it. Um, I don't, I think I have a little bit of a different view. Like I didn't go, a lot of people start a business to, you know, with an end, an end game. They, they want to sell it for $10 million or they want to, you know, they, they have, they go in with an exit plan and, I, I did the word term exit plan didn't even cross my mind. And I, and people started asking me that a couple of years ago and I was like, um, I, I guess I die. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. Like, <laughs> what a sad, dark I, conversation. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think that it started as a passion project and I, mm-hmm. and I have thrown myself completely into it and it, um, you know, for better or for worse. And, um, and I think that sometimes, like as wonderful as social media is, sometimes it can present business ownership. You know, it's just it's the same thing with life. It's just like it's everybody's highlight reel, and you know, not not all the in betweens. And so yeah. um, that's where I think it's awesome that you're doing what you're doing, and there's you know other podcasts that are getting down into like the real talk of it, and because that is. I think even more important than the pretty pictures and the, you know, the look, you know, girl power and all of that stuff, because it's, <laughs> it, you know, and I, I'm just as, you know, I think it's all important. It all works together. No, but I, I think, hear you. It's, it's yeah. the inspiration is great. The aspiration is great. But if it's not shored up with how do you do it? What's the ugly part? How do we equip mm-hmm. people to be prepared for the worst? Um, and expect the best. Um, if, mm-hmm. if they're not shored up in that way, then you know what kind of girl power are we actually selling? Exactly. If it's, if and it's I just think the you know. Stuff. I hope that it's you know the the failure rate turns around, and um, you know, and we can see even more um, incredibly successful. I mean, it, it's it, every day I feel like there's a new female-owned business that's just like going gangbusters that you read about. And it's so incredible. And I'm so thrilled. Um, And I I think that, yeah, and I think having each other's back and working together in collaboration is extremely important. And, um, you know, I actually, there's there's a toy store right next door to us, female-owned. There's a doggy daycare place two blocks down, female-owned. There's a dog and cat, like, food supply place very close to us, female owned. And we've all kind of, you know, just bonded together. And we, you know, obviously the ones on our block we knew about, but the others, it was just like through social media and whatever. And so then find those ways to, to work together and to, you know, seek out those, um, those people that you can talk to that really get it too. You know, there's like, as much as my, you know, family loves me and, you know, they're in Indiana. They don't see the day to day here. I tell them about it and, but you know, it's, it's a very, um, gosh, this is going to sound me like it's very sad, but like it's, it can be a lonely, a lonely position. And, um, and I think having those, those other collaborators around you and, you know, just other people to continue, like, you know, you can do it. I know it's hard. I've been there. Here's, maybe try this or, you know, whatever, just to get other ideas from is, is fantastic. And then, you know, if you don't have that, then find these podcasts and find books. And, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really incredible resources out there now that, you know, weren't there even five years ago. 
Um, I would also say if you don't have it, create it. And I know you did that mm -hmm. at some point. You just said, hey, and you brought some female-owned businesses or the business owners into your mm -hmm. shop to create that sort of entrepreneurial um, group opportunity mm -hmm. to connect with one another. So I think you can always find, they might not be in your social group, so you might have to extend it to some people you don't know, but even better. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. I think those people can bring some objectivity. Um, and yeah. I really appreciate that. I appreciate that you started with the girl power is great, but you know, what are we really doing when, when we, when we say that, how are we really mm -hmm. providing that? And then ending with this, bring, bring other people together and support other mm -hmm. business owners that are female. I mean, support business owners, period, but really right. identify with those or connect with those women who can identify with you and can share your problems and can say, I've been there and I've done this and this and that to, to alleviate whatever that issue is, or it sucks. I'm right there with you. It sucks that I don't have mm -hmm. an answer, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you can get through this and you can weather this mm -hmm. storm. It's hard to believe that our audience doesn't already know you because you've been so generous with your information and we can just, we can get a real sense of who you are, Courtney, and your personality. So thank you for that. But no, I'm, so you're not welcome. off the hook. I'm still going to ask you these six questions that we ask everybody just again, to give our listener just one little more taste of who you are as a person. Um, okay. I'm going to ask you a quick question and just whatever comes to mind. Give us that, that first answer. So do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule? Oh, well, yeah, it's, um, I guess I would, oh man, <laughs> I'm like, it, again, it's all of it. Um, I, I guess I would, I guess maybe I'd prefer, oh man, I'm, I would love the nine to five because I would love my evenings and weekends, but a flex schedule. So it sounds like you're, you're incorporating or incorporating both all the time in your actual life. I am. Okay. I and am. That, this, yeah. We'll yeah. go with that. You have okay, grown, cool. you just came this is, your like, you're, I'm supposed to fire off quick answers to you. Yeah, and I'm like, you're oh, not geez, doing it. I don't know. You're not I'm doing not doing it. it. I'm you're, failing. Yeah. You got, you're minus one already. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, do you prefer vacationing in the mountains or the beach? Ooh, I love the mountains. Okay. We're going to go with that one. Um, and then you kind of touched on this earlier, but do you like working from your home or your office better? Um, I'm we know that more... you don't have an office because your employees have taken it over. It exactly. Like. I, I'm much it... more productive at home, but I okay. love being at the shop. Like okay. I... I, my mood can completely change when I go up there. My husband calls them the my employees my antidote. Oh, it's like good that. to have one. Yeah, <laughs> some husbands exactly. don't even have that. Um, <laughs> and then, do you like working alone or with a team? With a team. All right. Um, I always say this is the hardest question. We'll see if you think so too. Thai or Mexican food? Mexican. Ugh. Nobody has found that hard in the last like five. I'm so disappointed. I, I, I love Thai, but okay. I, but Mexican all day, every day. Can we um, anticipate a Mexican cookie coming up anytime soon? Um, I am working on a little something for a Cinco de Mayo cookie. <gasps> so okay, is it more on the tequila limey side, or is it more it on is. the like Mexican hot chocolatey side? It's more on the tequila limey side. Okay, can I make a recommendation? Please. Since I love Mexican hot chocolate, can you come up with something that's chocolatey and hot and like has chili and something like that in it? I have toyed with that. And so, okay. yes, I will, I will be your taste tester. I will come down. It. I'll sit next to you all day and taste. That'll be my job for free. Because that's the I love kind it. of gal, a gal I am. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love um, it. And then this um, podcast is called Liberty Sessions. Our brand mm -hmm. is Liberty 
And our intention is to really liberate women to think about what's mm -hmm. possible and, um, and through entrepreneurship to kind of discover what that could be for them. What does it mean for you to be liberated? I believe for me, it is, oh man, I mean, it's funny because my feeling of liberation is experienced simultaneous with having more responsibility than I've ever had in my entire life mm. and being accountable to more people. Um, but I think just knowing that, um, that I'm doing it and I'm doing the very best that I can, um, every day and, um, and that I'm not, um, yeah, I, th I mean, I don't know. That, that's a tough one. And I think it's, it's, um, it can be a catch 22 sometimes. Um, but I, I think the, yeah, I would say my feeling of liberation has just come from knowing that I, I took this leap and I have worked tirelessly to make sure that it does not fail. And that to me is, um, it, and it's been well received and that is, that is liberating. Um, I think, on the flip side of that, just having 20 spare moments to 20 spare minutes to go on a walk, uh, by myself is liberating. And that is, um, I need to be better about that. I need to be better about feeling liberated. <laughs> well, you can listen to more podcasts. <laughs> Yes. Here on Liberty Sessions. <laughs> exactly. Um, and what we'll do is we'll come back to you like in a year from now and you'll mm -hmm. have both the Mexican hot chocolate cookie. You'll have the um, Cinco de Mayo cookie. And then mm -hmm. you'll tell us what you think liberation means a year from now. So <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to you, Courtney. You're not off the hook yet. Thank you so much for making time for us today. I have learned so much and I know our listeners have too. And we really, really appreciate it. So thanks for thanks for spending this time with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was really lovely. Absolutely. And to you, Liberty listeners, thanks for hanging out with us this one time, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower.